Welcome to the Know Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and this episode's Know Nothing, Eric Garner. On today's episode, I'm joined by Terry Hartman. She's a high school English teacher, as well as the host of the High School Book Club Podcast. We talk about all things poetry, including some of Terry's favorite poems. We also talk about how Terry grades poems in her English classes, Terry's creative process, and we challenge ourselves to write a poem in a week. As always, if you like the podcast, be sure to connect with us on Twitter at KnowNothingPod. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or drop us a line on our Facebook page at Know Nothing Podcast. And now, the newest episode of the Know Nothing Podcast with Terry Hartman. I know, I'm dreading that day so much. It's funny, I was telling Katie about like, the most embarrassing thing about being a dad isn't like the stinky diapers or anything. It's when I'll be sitting somewhere without the kid and I'll be like swaying. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll be I'll be rocking back and forth. Exactly. Like I'm a mental a patient. You patient. developed a tick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I look around at like new dads and they're all doing the same thing. Yeah, just, yeah. They're just sitting there rocking back and forth. Yeah. They can't help it. So. I did that with my sister's dog once. It was just this little dog and I was just kind of rocking it and patting it. And I realized, <laughs> oh, it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to do that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just becomes second nature after a while. I know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So today my guest is Terry Hartman. She's a high school English teacher. Mm -hmm. She's the host of an amazing podcast (laughs) called High School Book Club. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you. I'm both flattered and flabbergasted that you asked me to be on the show. Really? Why is that? Um, I don't know, because I'm supposed to be the expert and yeah, I'm flattered. You are the expert (laughs) though. I guess I I see I'm having you on because I feel like this is me paying my penance because Um. (laughs) when I was in high school, I was that kid constantly asking, why are we learning this? Oh, okay. I was that guy. Yep. How often do you get asked that on like a daily Uh, basis? In the classroom? It must be. Not very often. Really? To be honest, no. I must be that amazing. No. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I guess. And that's part of my goal, I think, as because I, I know that that's a possibility, that question that kids will throw at me sometimes. And so it is a goal of mine to make sure that whatever we're doing, it is personally relevant and meaningful to them. So I really try to focus on the kids seeing themselves and what we're reading or talking about at the time. Um, And so then it's, it's not so much like, why are we doing this? But it's, it's about personal growth and, and, Oh, I can actually learn about myself from reading something that's not even real. It's fiction or whatever. So maybe that's why I try. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think, this whole podcast, I experience new things mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes the guest does as well. But for the most part, I'm the know nothing because I feel like I have so many years of like oh, okay. making up to do <laughs> because it's it's not until later on in life that I realize that I just love learning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, like, it's funny. I, I used to ask that question all the time to my math teacher. <laughs> Why are you learning trigonometry? I'm yeah. never going to use this. This yeah. is so stupid. Yeah. And then the first day of my degree, I study music because in my, my little brain, I'm thinking music has nothing to do with math. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, the first class I sit down, it's a physics of acoustics class. And the teacher comes in and says, okay, we're going to review trigonometry. And, like, oh. and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. whisked away to 11th grade math <laughs> asking my teacher, yeah. why are we learning this? Yeah. So I realized 
pretty quickly that I just need to love learning mm -hmm. and experiencing new things because I'll just be a smarter person. It, you'll learn that everything is connected to something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything's connected in some way. So yeah, something that you would think you'd never have to use again, all of a sudden it comes up in a situation that you didn't think would ever be connected to anything like trigonometry or whatever. So yeah. it's a maturity, I think, when you, as you get older going, you know what, I really don't know a lot at all. And <laughs> I'm interested in learning and keeping that curiosity, I think is really important. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I very love cool. to learn too. So yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about poetry. I guess. <laughs> which is a... Uh, Maybe a difficult topic to talk about within the the English yeah. world. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not a not a, a type of writing that's often discussed mm -hmm. in high school. Okay, yeah. at least that was my experience. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of breezed over. Yep. Um, so I never really had much of an interaction with poetry outside of my life in music. Right. And so uh, this has been really exciting for me. Terry has given me some poems. Uh, to uh, study. That I I know. I've been studying. <laughs> yes. You might know more than me then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that because oh. I want to get to kind of the first question I want to ask okay, you, which yeah. is basically what is a poem? What is a poem? Ooh, um, I would think, and that's an excellent question. I actually asked my students not too long ago. Why write a poem instead of something else like a short story or a novel or whatever? Like why pick a poem? Yeah. And to try to distill that down. And so then I ask myself the question, if I have an idea that I kind of want to communicate, what makes the distinction between me wanting to pick a genre of a poem or a story or something like that? So poems are typically just smaller, frankly. Yeah. I think of them as a distillation of a particular, at least this is the way I write, I think, of a particular idea or concept that because of its smaller size, it's actually a really concentrated meaningful, thoughtful look at something. Although some poetry are stories, um, it might not necessarily be a story. I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but that's that's what I would think why I would maybe pick writing a poem. So that would make what a poem is, is just a, like I said, a real drilling down to something essential and smaller, but in the same way, because it's like a microscope in a way, it sort of opens your mind up to something yeah. 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 It's like yeah. a, it's like an espresso shot versus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah <kinda. laughs> it's so distilled down yeah, and just yeah. raw. Yeah. I yeah. think as I've been reading the, these poems, I mm -hmm. think that's what I've enjoyed more. Yeah. Is that sometimes I don't have time to sit down and read yes. a novel. Yes. But I do have time to sit down and read a poem yep. and have that stick with me mm -hmm. and like just chew it all day. Yep. Like I've for the past week at work, I've just been chewing on these poems nice. in my head. Yeah. So it's been a wonderful, amazing, um, experience for oh, me. Oh, that's so good. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Excellent. And the first poem I want to talk about okay. is introduction to poetry. Oh yes. I Billy think it's Collins. very, I think it's very fitting. Yes. It's actually the that's last, why I picked it, yeah. yes, <laughs> but it's actually the last poem in the group of poems that okay. you sent me. Yeah that I read. Oh, okay. And so let, let's just read it. Sure. I'll, I'll Do you read, want to read it. Yeah, right I'll, I'll read it. Okay. And then, uh, we can, we can chat about my Excellent. experience. Okay. With it. Right on. Okay. Introduction to poetry by Bill Collins. I asked them to take a poem and hold it up to the light, like a color slide or press an ear against this hive. I say, drop a mouse into a poem and watch him probe his way out or walk inside the poems room and feel the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do 
is tie the pwn to a chair with a rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. <laughs> so good. It's so funny because <laughs> yeah. I read all the other poems mm-hmm. and then I read this one and I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm beating these poems with a hose. I'm, I'm trying to like, which in a, in a way is its own kind of fun. Like not to discredit Billy Mm -hmm. Collins, but it is fun to kind of just really wrestle with it and peel words apart and think about why this is here and not there. And what does this mean? And, but at the same time, he's obviously making a different idea about how you can enjoy poetry. I think too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, all of the ways that he asks the reader Mm -hmm. to investigate poems. They're very exploratory words, right? Yes. yes. Probing. He wants us to uh, like hold up a color slide. And I mean, they're so small and intricate and detailed and to hold that up to the sun would, and to like really look at it, you know, to, to listen to a hive. It's funny. I was was telling my wife, (laughs) um, when we were first married, we lived in this dive of an apartment and there was a hole on the outside of the wall. (laughs) And it went, this hole went in between, we lived in a basement. It went in between the floorboards of our neighbors and our roof. Mm -hmm. And all of these wasps got in there and made this humongous nest. And it was right above our bedroom, (laughs) right above our bed. (laughs) And so at night, you could hear these wasps hiving, crawling, creeping, just a buzz. And finally... I told my landlord, I can't do this. I'm yeah. buying some like spray and I'm going to, I'm going to smoke them out. So I yeah. sprayed it and then I went back inside just to listen. And it was the craziest sound I've ever heard. Just this hive coming to life yeah. and buzzing and being smoked out with all this poison. It was, yeah. it was so intense yeah. that when I read that, I was just like, I know exactly what he means. Neat. And so, yeah. So that was kind of my first experience mm-hmm. with poetry. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this poem? The first time I've actually used it in the classroom was just this past year. I had an English 30 honors class. So these are your, you know, super duper bright kids with it. And they would be the kind of kids that if you sort of ask them to, they would be like, okay, let's rip this apart. And maybe this is an allusion to this biblical story. And they'd come <laughs> up with all these big grand interpretations, right? Which is cool. But at the same time, they read this and kind of chuckled and went, that's cute. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, it is. And why not? Like why, like, especially when you get down to that last stanza about beating a poem with a hose, like there's one meaning in poem, how come you're not, but like when you said exploratory, that's the point. And it's not necessarily that there's this one meaning that it's supposed to shout from the rooftops, but that it is, and it's a fun sort of exploration, like dropping a, a mouse in and seeing what it scurries about yeah. and finds. And the fact that it's titled an introduction to poetry, like, mm-hmm. Maybe Collins is saying that is how we should treat poems. Just just a little bit of exploration and, you know, not just digging deep, but also skiing the surface of it just to see what kind of enjoyment we get out of it rather than, um, yeah, this beating it to get <laughs> some sort of deeper meaning. Out yeah. Of it. yeah. And I think for the most part, when people view poetry, they view it as this very... It's scary. Or they think it's it is. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. And they view it as this really meaningful form of mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think... You know, popular culture hasn't done poetry justice with its yeah. beatnikness and <laughs> its hippie snapping yeah. and drumming and very dense, like mm. word painting kind of things, right? Where poetry doesn't always have to be that way either, right? No. 
It can, and it can be. That's the, and I think that's the way with any art. Mm-hmm. I would hope that mm-hmm. it can be super epically meaningful and, you know, distill life down to this incredible truth, or it can just be fun. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what kind of, and actually Billy Collins in particular, um, what he, one of the reasons why he's my, one of my favorite poets is because he, it's not complicated. Yeah. Right. Not saying that he's not wrestling with bigger ideas sometimes. Of course he does, but he's not difficult to read. You don't, like you said, it's not too dense that you don't really know what he's talking about. Some of them are just fun. Yeah. The other yeah. part about this poem that I really liked is when he, he says, uh, waving at the author's name on the shore, mm-hmm. kind of this idea that the author is kind of off yeah. on their own. Mm-hmm. I found this with art is that when you release something, it's, done. Yep. it's up for interpretation, yeah. right? It's not yours anymore. Yeah. 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 Which is pretty scary as an artist and as someone that's creating. Yeah. And I, th- well, it can be, and this is something I've learned from Elizabeth Gilbert. I don't know if you know her, but no. um, she's an author um, and she came up with a book last summer or two summers ago called Big Magic. And it's basically just sort of a, I don't know, an exploration of what creativity is yeah. and why you should just be creative just because like it doesn't have to be this big, deep, meaningful thing. And so she's trying to argue that, and it's a paradox in a way that yes, art can be this incredible life's work, but it can also just be silly and you know, whatever. And so I think in order for an artist to not lose their minds, they have to take their ego out of it and go, okay, well, here's, here it is and have fun world and whatever you get out of it or see yourself in great it's that's not mine anymore that's yours it's become yours because i've released it so to speak yeah. so okay. and it, what's the name of that book uh, it's called big magic okay elizabeth Gilbert. i'm on it it's wonderful that sounds yeah. fascinating yeah yeah it's wonderful i love that mm-hmm. well let, let's switch to another okay. poem Sure, and oh, I'm just wrestling with so there's so many good poems and so many well, things I well, want to talk about. We could stay on Billy Collins. Did yeah. you watch the other one? I did. <laughs> I did. And I, I printed it off oh, as trans- well. Okay. I don't have the, uh, the, the lines from it, but I, yeah. it's, it's quite good. I'm, de- I'm debating. Oh, should I put it in or should, maybe I'll just read it. Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. It, just so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to my favorite 17 year old high school girl by Billy Collins. Do you realize that if you had started building the Parthenon on the day you were born, you'd be all done in only one more year? Of course, you couldn't have done that all alone. So never mind. You're fine just being yourself. You're loved for just being you. But did you know that at your age, Judy Garland was pulling in $150,000 a movie? Joan of Arc was leading the French army to victory? And Blaise Pascal had cleaned up his room. No, wait. I mean, he had invented the calculator. (laughs) Of course, there will be time for all that later in your life after you come out of your room and begin to blossom (laughs) or at least pick up all your socks. (laughs) For some reason, I keep remembering that Lady Jane Grey was Queen of England when she was only 15, but then she was beheaded. So never mind her as a role model. (laughs) A few centuries later, when he was your age, Franz Schubert was doing the dishes for his family. But that did not keep him from composing two symphonies, four operas, and two complete masses as a youngster. But of course, that was in Austria, at the height of romantic lyricism, not here in the suburbs of Cleveland. <laughs> Frankly, who cares if Annie Oakley was a crack shot at 15, or if Maria Callas debuted as Tosca at 17? We think you're special just being you. 
playing with your food and staring into space. By the way, I lied about Schubert doing the dishes, but that doesn't mean he never helped out around the house. <laughs> Can you imagine getting this in a birthday card from your parents <laughs> when you're a teenager? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that you sent this to me as yeah. like I was looking for examples of poetry, high art. Mm-hmm. I was looking mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And I specifically didn't. This is what yeah. I got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about how you feel about this poem. I just think it's hilarious. And especially if you actually watch and hear Billy Collins perform it because he's just so deadpan, right? Mm-hmm. And not that I want to speak for him, but I, I think part of his MO, just because of his kind of breadth of work, is playing with the idea of what poetry is supposed to be versus yeah. what it is, right? And it's just it's just funny. And I think a lot of us, if we knew 17-year-old high school girls kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, or even parents of a 17-year-old high school girl would look at that and go, oh my gosh, it's true. Like, <laughs> you're just kind of this average kid that doesn't care and is playing with her hair. And then you think of all these other great 17-year-olds in history. And it's like, yeah, look what they've accomplished. And yeah, exactly. But it's it could also be a comment on... Not that kids are entitled, but that we don't expect enough from them sure. or that sort of thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of where I went to yeah. immediately. Yeah. It's just this idea that, because all of the examples he gives are examples from the past yeah. where, you know, maybe they're, they're, what they were expected to do would have been a lot different from what kids today are expected mm-hmm. to yeah. do and, and kind of that bar where yeah. it's being set. So. Yeah. And just the, I want to say angst, but the joy of having a teenager, (laughs) you know, especially when you like, you have your children and they're very young and you do like, they could change the world. And you have all these wonderful ideas about them. And then they're not picking up their socks or helping out around the house. I'm I'm still in the change, change the world phase. Well, you know, when Rosa gets older and if, you know, you could just go back to this poem and go, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The fun preparation anyway. Billy Collins said it all. Yeah. And I, I, again, I picked this one just because, like you said, you expect this ode to a nightingale, kind of high art stuff. And it's like, or yeah, exactly. It could be playful, kind of fun. Exactly. Yeah. 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 When I was in sixth grade, I had a, I had a great teacher and she made us memorize a poem every month Oh wow! and recite it in front of the class. Do you remember any of them? I, well, I don't, I can't recall any of them because I, I was the keener in school. I was that English 30 honors kid. Yeah, yeah. So in sixth grade, while everyone else was memorizing some roses or red, violets mm-hmm. or blue junk, mm-hmm. I was memorizing, shall I compare thee to, to a summer's, summer's day? day. Yeah, and nice. I was uh, memorizing, uh, I was memorizing Robert Frost. Oh yeah. Yep. Ah, what's the baseball one? The Casey at, Casey at the bat. Uh, I had to memorize that in grade nine. Really? Yeah. It's long. Yeah. And it was, I was, I think my teacher was just blown away because I kind of took it and ran with it. Nice. That she made me do it in front of the whole school. Yeah. Which wow. when, when you're doing it in front of the sixth grade class and everyone else is doing it, mm-hmm. not bad. But yeah. once you do it in front of the, front of the whole school, it's, it's a little different. So what do you think the purpose was <laughs> in having you guys memorize all those poems? I don't know. Maybe, maybe just to get get like a, a really early connection with, hmm. with poetry. My dad says just stupid little <laughs> verses to yeah. me. They're just really small. And they're mostly about when I was a kid, like cleaning up your room. Like the one that comes to mind is that what you do do with your might for jobs done in half aren't always done right. Oh, neat. 
So those things just stick with me. Mm-hmm. And now I'll be standing at work thinking like, you know, I should do a better job because jobs done in half are <laughs> yeah, ever no, done right. <laughs> and it's funny how those those things stick with you when mm-hmm. when they're put in that way, when they rhyme, when yep. you memorize them. And yep. now now they're just a part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think maybe that's what she was trying to accomplish. Just, and, it, and it could have been even just practicing speaking too yeah, as well. I, I think other words in your mouth. I think there are lots of things like yeah. that. But that's neat. It's amazing how much poetry has been a part of my life, mm-hmm. but yet I haven't given it the credit it's due or realized it yeah. is there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or I guess purposefully tried looking for it or or even writing it yourself. Or yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah, I, I think it. it goes back to that thing where we were talking about earlier, like, why are we learning this? It's in everything. Yeah. We don't realize how much we're surrounded by poetry until we we mm-hmm. put a foot in that world and really take a look at it. Yeah, well, and you just used a metaphor right there. Yeah. Right? So we come up with these little blips of images or something, and that's one of the wonderful things I love about poetry, even just figurative language in general, is you can take a big idea... And all of a sudden you just make it a, a concrete comparison. You're like, oh, it's like that. So that's something that I'm wrestling with in grad school right now is we've got these huge concepts that we're trying to wrap our heads around. And I keep telling myself, please give me an analogy or a metaphor and then I'll get it. Because if it's like this of, of an experience I already know, then it's much easier for me to go, okay, I get it, right? So just like when you tell that story about the hives, Mm -hmm. you're bringing your experience into a poem and you're like, oh, I get it, I could hear it. And that's, I think, part of the joy of any kind of reading, if you think about it, is when you bring your own experience into it, then it just lights it up. And that's what I try to do teaching all the time as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe we can go to For the Young Who Want To. Ah, yes. Now this one... Um, a friend of mine that I met over Twitter, he's an English teacher in um, the United States who also has a podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> Actually, has a couple, I think. Um, <laughs> and when we did our poetry show, he sent this one to me and I just love it because, yeah, I love it. Well, can, can I get you to read it maybe? Sure, absolutely. For the Young Who Want To by Marge Piercy. Talent is what they say you have after the novel is published and favorably reviewed. Beforehand, what you have is a tedious delusion, a hobby like knitting. Work is what you have done after the play is produced and the audience claps. Before that, friends keep asking when you're planning to go out and get a job. Genius is what they know you had after the third volume of Remarkable Poems. Earlier, they accuse you of withdrawing, ask why you don't have a baby, call you a bum. The reason people want MFAs, take workshops with fancy names, when all you can really learn is a few techniques, typing instructions and somebody else's mannerisms, is that every artist lacks a license to hang on the wall, like your optician, your vet, proving you may be a clumsy sadist whose fillings fall into the stew, but you're certified a dentist. The real writer is one who really writes. Talent is an invention like phlogiston after the fact of fire. Work is its own cure. You have to like it better than being loved. Yeah. I just, especially for those of us who wrestle with, we feel like we're an artsy kind of person mm-hmm. and then you live in a culture where it's like, well, that's a waste of time. It's not going to get you a job. How are you going to support yourself that way, et cetera? And so 
then yeah, people go to try and validate this as a study going, but I have this piece of paper now, you see. So, yeah, yeah um, exactly. And there are several artists out there that would say, don't go to school. Like, don't go get your MFA. Like, just just do your art and see what happens and that sort of thing. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I really like this one, especially because the title is for the young who want to. It's like it's that other voice. So you have your parents going, that's not a real job. That's you know, go into something more practical or mm-hmm. responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have somebody that's showing the opposite side or the yeah. voice or possibility of it. So, yeah. And that's something that I've struggled with yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah. You know, studying music isn't normal, I guess you'd say, or well, it's not practical. <laughs> sure. It's not, yeah. It's yeah. not practical for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I have friends that are very heavily involved in musical careers, mm-hmm. but they never went to school or, yeah. or saw the need to do it. And so you, you kind of see these two paths yeah. of, of how people try to pursue art. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just fascinating how she encapsulates it all in, in this very succinct poem. Yeah. Especially with the um, ideas that you're not remarkable until like what happened to those two books of poems before the third one that all of a sudden you're a genius, right? It's like nobody notices you until you have something of value, which isn't true. Like, of course the work you've done before has value. It just might not be popular in chapters or something like that. Right. And so, and that's part of the draw of somebody wanting to study it and getting a, a diploma or degree in it, because then it feels like it's worth something or it has some sort of concrete value. Of some kind. Sure. Yeah. Well, I I think maybe that raises a question that's not necessarily poetry related, but Mm -hmm. more education related. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For yourself, when you ask students to write creatively, how do you go about marking that? And uh, Mm -hmm. keep, how do you go about (laughs) marking something that is subjective? Uh, No, I'm only sighing just because this is exactly what I'm studying right now (laughs) in my grad studies. Because this is something that my, my brother commented to me uh he wrote a poem so in high school he had to write a poem Mm -hmm. and the teacher asked him write a poem using iambic pentameter oh boy so he wrote gobbledygook it didn't make any sense (laughs) but it was an iambic pentameter but it was an iambic (laughs) pentameter yep and he got i don't know 40 percent yeah and he was mad yeah he's rattled yeah how do you go about marking something yeah um And this is a a thing I wrestle with all the time because there's, is it art for art's sake? Like I think part of even, okay, (laughs) (laughs) any, anything involved in writing is a skill in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like you could be evaluated on your technical skill of playing a guitar, you could, I guess, kind of be evaluated in terms of technical skill in writing a poem or whatever, if there's very particular things somebody's looking for. So if the teacher said iambic pentameter and counted the syllables and all that stuff and went, yeah, okay, it's an iambic pentameter, that would be a demonstration of that particular skill. Sure. But did she, like you said, it's gobbledygook. Did she say, hey, I want it to actually make sense or yeah. like explore an idea or something? I yeah, Well, we, we yeah. got to talking about it. And to me, that's just sort of implied when she says write a poem. Okay, yeah. See, to me, because I was looking up definitions of poetry mm-hmm. just because I'm like that. Yeah. And one of the definitions I stumbled across was a poem must rhyme unless it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. A poem must have form. Unless it doesn't. doesn't. (laughs) And so it was this really wishy-washy. Yeah, because it can be anything, which is what we kind of said before. And so I told him, 
that a poem first and foremost must have substance, must be, must communicate. Yeah. Uh, above all else, if it doesn't have form, if it doesn't rhyme, if it, any of that stuff yeah, is just the scaffold that creates mm-hmm. what you're trying to communicate. Yep. So when you don't communicate anything, it ceases to be a poem. Makes sense. And you could really say that about, well, again, any piece of art. And and this is the, I guess, the discussion battle between what does the poem mean? Does it mm-hmm. mean what I think it means when I read it? Or does it mean what the poet meant it to mean? Yeah. And I, to some extent, I, I don't want to say that there's no poet intention behind something. I'm sure there's an intention because then why would you even write it in the first place? Like you said, there's got to be something communicated. It might not equate to like a good theme statement or something yeah. like that. It might just be, hmm, that's an interesting idea I want to grapple with or an image or even just a line popping into a head and wanting to explore that. But And that's why it is so kind of dumb that we have to grade something creative like that because it seems that you're putting, you're placing a judgment of somebody's ideas, right? Which yeah. is hard. Like, how do you say that that's a better idea than that one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, the only, <laughs> I mean, I stick to the old rubric that Alberta education comes up. That's the only way around it. But the, like I said before, I sighed because this is exactly what we're discussing in our classes. Yeah. Um, and, university right now. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not a fair question to spring on you. No, it's no, pretty, it's fine. It's, it's pretty, fine. it's pretty heady. It's, it's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> That's, I, I don't think it yeah. has an answer. No, well, right? and it's, I, I wrote a letter to a class I had a few years ago and I just was honest with them saying, this is the part of my job I hate that I actually have to attach a number mm-hmm. to something creative that you're grappling with. That is, you know, first draft and that sort of thing, because th- this is another old adage that I've kind of wrestled with this past week is art is never finished. Yeah. You could take 10 years to write a novel and still not feel like it's done, mm-hmm. right? It's it's published, but it's not finished. So because you could read it back and go, oh, I just thought of another thing I could add or take, or what is this? Why did I have this in here? Yeah. It's just constantly, yeah, it's it's abandoned. They say it's never finished. Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, so to put some sort of value number on something is awful. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> but- yeah, parents want a percentage somehow, so... Yeah. Yeah. But see, me as a parent, not not that I have a kid that's in school, but eventually, yeah. I think that it'd be so much more beneficial as a parent to receive a report card that doesn't say she got 84 in math, yeah. but said she struggles with this, mm-hmm. she needs more help with this, yeah. she's really great at this. Yeah, yeah particular skills Encourage this. Yep. I yep. think that would be so much more beneficial to me as the parent mm-hmm. than... A number that and it's, really doesn't mean anything. And it's funny because I think a lot of us feel that way. And then, you know, you hear stories about, say, school districts that all of a sudden didn't have report cards or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so parents didn't know how their kids were doing. And they were forced to make an interview to go talk to their teacher. And they said that that was actually way more beneficial. Yeah. Because it was this sort of, okay, well, this is what I'm noticing. She seems to be struggling with this. Or have you tried this at home or that? And it just illuminates a lot more. So when I wrote that letter to my class about the struggle I have with evaluating any sort of creative writing, I had a parent email me going, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, And just appreciating that. Yeah. It's kind of part of the environment that we're in that I have to stick a number on something, but know that I don't enjoy it, (laughs) you know, because it, it, it just ironically devalues it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to transition a little bit. Sure. Because part of this exercise for me, while yeah. I've been studying poetry, I feel like I have to write it to nice. really appreciate it. Hey, yeah. So that's right the next on. step for me. Nice. I'm going to be writing a poem. Okay. This episode comes out on the 1st of August. Okay. And by the 7th of August, I'm going to post a poem on my website. Right on. So you can go read it there. Yeah. But I need help. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk to you about your process. Okay. How do you write creatively? And I don't know if you have an example. I, d- I brought a couple of poems. I did. But I would love to, okay. I would love to hear one of your examples. Okay. Well, should I talk process first or should I read poem first? Decisions, decisions. <laughs> maybe talk your process okay. first. And um, then we can maybe look at, look at an example. Okay. So uh, kind of like our discussion that we had before, it really does depend what I want to communicate and, or where the idea came from. So if I'm feeling like a, what would happen if, like I would get this sort of idea, then that almost implies a plot, which means narrative, which means maybe short story or something like that. But if I'm just grappling with a sort of a human experience, struggle issue thought, then it might lead me a little bit more towards a poem just because I'm like I said, it's that distilling or that really focusing in on just kind of this one thing I'm grappling with. So if I get kind of an idea or a concept, I might just start playing with words, but I always like to try to, again, use analogy or a metaphor or an image of some kind. So somebody can latch onto something a bit more familiar. So it will make that little kind of human truth more reachable, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I kind of get it. It is like that. And then I just, I start writing and I think the biggest thing, and this is something I try to tell my students all the time is just to turn the inner critic off. Mm. Like instead of scratching going, that's dumb, just play with it because you can always go back and change it. Right. Yeah. You can always go back and change it. So just blah, (laughs) just kind of dump it out on the page uh, and then go back and alter it. So it's, it's, um, like I've never had an experience where it just comes out perfectly the first time. Yeah. No way. And then once I've got something, you know, I'll, I'll play with it for a little while and then I might go do something else or maybe not even look at it for a few weeks or something and come back to it and play with it again. And again, you get to that point going, well, I could nitpick it some more or eh. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of, it's done for now. It's abandoned. I yeah. feel like it's enough. And yeah. I've talked about that before in the past. Uh, we did an episode about just how we create art. Mm-hmm. We read the book, uh, The War of Art. Oh, um, um, Pressfield, right? Yeah, Pressfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, we talked about how I have like recorded a lot of songs. But at the end of the day, what I'd always do is I'd always see them as imperfect. Mm. And then I just delete all the oh, files. No. <laughs> do you miss them? I do. Right. I do. Yeah. I, I wish I had them back because it's probably been like 50 recordings that yeah. I've just, they're gone. Yeah. The, so they're sad. destroyed. Oh. And they're like right at the end of publishing. And so that, that has always been my thing Yeah, where I just struggle with publishing, right? struggle with letting other people see it. And that has been like the most beneficial part of doing this podcast. Right. I've set a goal. I've set a deadline. Get it out there. It's got to get out. Yeah. Even if I nitpick it, even if I think it sucks, even <laughs> if I'm like, oh, I wish this would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. It goes out. Yeah. And people can experience it. And I found that as I've done that, it's gotten easier and easier. Exactly. It's gotten yeah. better and better. Yep. So I, I think there's a real power in, in publishing. Yep. There's a real power in just putting it out yeah. there. 
And that's kind of what I was saying before about Elizabeth Gilbert, this how so much it's attached to the ego because it's like, well, I don't want to put it out there. What if it sucks or it's, oh, it's not really good and that sort of thing. And so we just abandon all together and not share it. Now, obviously I wouldn't want to put something out there that's embarrassing, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the same time, I've gotten so much better over And maybe it's just because I'm aging and this is something I come to now that I'm almost 40. But um, <laughs> this idea that of self-compassion and that's about turning the critic off going, you know what? I'm a human being and I'm not perfect. Neither can my products or whatever I'm doing be perfect either. So I just have to go, eh, yeah. cool. I tried. And you know what? And maybe this is something you experience with your podcast too. Any sort of feedback you might be getting isn't like, oh, your sound quality or that that part of the conversation wasn't. No, people are like, cool show, man. So interesting. I never thought of that before. So they're actually thankful that you are putting something yeah. out there rather yeah. than not at all. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. And when it's not as scary because, you know, either people don't care <laughs> or that it, it isn't as ever as bad as you think it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, then it is. it does get easier. I, I think yeah. that's our biggest issue in, in life, in all aspects of our life, is we think that other people care. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's in everything, like yeah. the way we dress. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, other people are going to notice this. Yeah. They're not. Probably not. They're not. How <laughs> often do not. I notice someone else? Yeah. Honestly, and it's maybe bad to say, but not very often. Do I see someone, oh, that's ugly or yeah, that's yeah. stupid yeah. or yeah. never. Yeah. Like very rarely does that happen in my life. And in fact, I don't know if I would really like to know the person that is that nitpicky. <laughs> no, seriously, that nitpicky that their job is to go out and look for things that are not adequate yeah. in people. Really? Totally. Yeah. I think it's more about connection and the me too aspect, right? Mm-hmm. That is what we all connect with. So yeah, put it out there because what if somebody reads it or listens to it and go, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden you've got a connection in it and then people thank you. Even if you're like, really? Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I felt that way as well with either my own writing or even the, my own podcast. The only reason I started it is because I'm a geek. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is to talk about things I love to talk about with other people that love to talk about it. And I put it out there because there wasn't one in existence that I knew of. Yeah. And it's just been so much fun going, oh my gosh, me too. Like, I love to talk about books. And I'm like, right on. Yeah. So you know that it can't just be you. There's got to be somebody else out there. Yeah. And yeah. I love your podcast. Thank you. See, I'm not a, I'm not a literary person. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't read as much as I should. I don't do any of that, but I love your podcast because you, you talk mostly about curriculum, mm-hmm. which are works that, yeah. you know, yeah. are very accessible. Yeah. People know about, even if I haven't read it or it's been a long time, mm-hmm. I know the gist. Yeah. Yep. It's so part of the zeitgeist of our lives. <laughs> yeah, that it's, yeah. it's just there. Yeah. But then also I love hearing it from a, from a perspective of someone that's teaching it. Mm. That's so in, intriguing and beautiful to me. Because it's impossible for me to have that perspective of the book. Because I'm 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 never going to teach it to yeah, someone okay. else. Like the, the the knowingness of it. Yeah. Which hello, your podcast, right? <laughs> That's where it comes from. Like it's like I I love listening to people that know something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that know it, and that are looking at it with the question: How can I teach this to someone else? How can I make someone else feel this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating. Which is art. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. So I'm very nervous about writing this poem. Okay. It's going to be so far out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I don't write. I I don't have that. I've never done it. Yeah. So I, do, I don't know if I have this skill or not. 
But I keep coming back to this poem that we just read. Okay. Work is its own cure. Yep. You have to like it better than being loved. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. the real writer is one who really right. writes. Yeah. Yeah. So if I write something, I'm a writer. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's gobbledygook and iambic pentameter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My brother Brent, he's a writer in there iambic pentameter. Shakespeare, eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly so maybe we can listen to one okay. of your poems after we just talked about sharing yes and putting and things out there okay. and me too yeah so i'm okay so i there's three that i have here but i think i oh, okay so i'm gonna do this one <laughs> and talk about being vulnerable i read it at home going yeah this is pretty cool and then i went oh but what if I read it out loud? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what it is, is have you listened to the Shane Koizan poem that I yeah, said, spoken yeah, I word? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like, I would think that this is an audio poem, meaning reading it isn't quite the same as it is hearing it mm-hmm. because I purposely have some kind of internal rhyme in it. So it would be like a spoken word. It's shorter though, for sure. Cause a lot of them are really, really long. Yeah. Um, so, oh gosh. Okay. Here it goes. It's called, I want to be bigger than I am. I want to be bigger than I am. Six feet. No, 20 feet tall, thudding around miles above the crowd, bearing jokes about what the weather's like up there with a good natured grin. Yeah, it's hot because I'm closest to the sun. I want to sparkle and glow, shiny electricity with oohs and ahs to follow, the new technology that no one can live without. I want a following, to be a universe-wide phenomenon, a brand, my own t-shirt logo and my name to stand as a verb in the dictionary. No, I want to be my own letter in the alphabet. I want to be that nagging concept in your brain, the vision in your sleep and your dream when you're awake. I want to be the date you remember when your life began. You set it down, thus in the beginning was the era of Terry. I want to invade your pores so I can seep out again to be the shine on your face. The fullness in your breath you get when you think of me. To be the music that your heart finds the rhythm to beat to. The tear-springing, gut-aching punchline. The magic word that makes perfection materialize. The answer to every beauty queen's desire for world peace. Don't want to be no little willy-nilly low man, but the epic, McDreamy woe man. I want to be noticed. To be special. To be bigger than I am. Wow. That was great. Thank you. (laughs) Applause, applause. Oh yeah, no snaps, right? Oh yeah, snap, yeah. snaps, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. I yeah. left the bongos right. in my other yeah, right. in my yeah, other yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. Thank that you. was awesome. I, I love that. Thank you. You basically you want to be a Kardashian, is what you're saying I in that guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, and obviously there's a lot of exaggeration in here, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so and part of this was inspired by my sister because um before she passed away, she was getting into spoken word poetry a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and so I was thinking about her going, I wonder if I could write one. And so I, I just, the, the title is exactly the idea I wanted to go for. Like, I want to be important. I want to be noticed. I, whatever, right? And yeah. so that's what I went with. And I'm pretty sure everybody has had that feeling sometime yeah. in their life, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Um, but I really wanted the idea to have a little bit more of a rhythm and, like I said, some internal rhyme. And so that's where the word play really comes in. Yeah. Um, so things like, um, I want to sparkle and glow, shiny electricity with the ooze and ahs to follow. 
Um, and then, and it, it really depends on how it's delivered, right? So this other line too, I want a following to be a universe-wide phenomenon, a brand, my own t-shirt logo, and my name to stand as a verb in the dictionary. So mm -hmm. even though the sentence is a sentence, there's still rhyming words within it. Yeah. So, and yeah. That, that's why it should be spoken rather than just read. It, you might not catch it otherwise. Yeah, so, exactly. And that's what um, I love Shane Koizan for because he's amazing at it. Yeah, so. he's, he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe tell me more about your process while you're writing that poem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was this. It's okay. It's been a long time. Like I want to say, oh, at least seven or eight years since I wrote it. It's yeah. Pretty, I think it's that old. Yeah. Um. I think. I think I probably started with the exaggerated imagery. Like I obviously the idea about I wanted to be bigger than I am, and then let's let's just make that huger, which sure. is kind of the point. Because if I want to be huger, then I'm going to exaggerate all these ideas. Yeah, so then exactly. I'm thinking about, and then also the, the self-correcting six feet. No, 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 no. Think bigger, <laughs> think bigger. Right. So 20 <laughs> feet tall. And so that kind of came from that. And then also just, yeah. So rather than just being an, a word in the dictionary, I get to be my own letter in the alphabet. So even though it's small, can you imagine yeah. if you were one of the letters in the <laughs> alphabet like, that everybody uses? I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that when I heard yeah. it, it was like, yeah, <laughs> I did. I've cool. never yeah. in my wildest dreams thought about that, but yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. That would be amazing. Yeah. So I just played with all those images and stuff because I thought it'd be kind of fun. But then making sure that, yeah, I had that kind of sense of rhythm and rhyming yeah. within it as well. So yeah. most of it was about um, the exaggeration and the sound. So it wasn't like the idea I want to be bigger than I am. That's not like this huge truth that we all need to grapple with and I'm taking something you've never thought of before. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's more about, I guess the form than the idea in this one, maybe. And then other times it might be the idea rather than the form that you want to communicate more with, but really it should be both. You'd hope that your form is in the service of your idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I, I didn't want this to be a super serious poem. It's not, it's kind of fun and that sort of thing. I mean, can you imagine if I took the title, I want to be bigger than I am, and then went on this super dark emo yeah, exactly. path, which is possible, <laughs> right? But I just thought, no, it'd be kind of So basically all, all the poems you grade yeah, just, oh, yeah, yeah. is full of teenage <laughs> angst. teenage poems, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So That's that, my biggest yeah. fear with writing a poem is I'm going to regress into... 15 year old Eric and start. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> it is like, obviously like I, I've, I'm a journaler, so I've journaled just about every day Wow. for, it's been five, over five years now. And yeah, there's some stupid garbage in there. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's, I guess, part of being an artist in a way too, is to curate, you know, know what the good stuff is or things to kind of investigate more. And the other ones to go, no, that was, but on the other hand, even the, what we think is rubbish and weird, you never know how that's going to be fertilizer for something amazing later on too. Yeah. So that's why I don't destroy your songs. Even if you think they're not good enough, right? I know. Cause then, like I said, I asked, do you miss them? Cause it would be kind of cool to go back and go, actually, this isn't that bad or it will spring a new idea yeah. or something. Or yeah. I like to just see the progression as well. Yes. You know, yes. Listen to what oh, I first yes. recorded, yep. how bad it is. And then <laughs> see, see the progression. Yeah. Because when you're in the thick of it, 
you think it's the worst thing you've ever done until you look back at all, all the <laughs> yeah, other stuff. Oh, maybe it's better than I thought. You know, I'm actually a, a different person. I, when I get an idea, I think I'm the smartest woman alive and I get so <laughs> excited and then I wrestle with it. And then I look at it the next day and go, Oh, Eh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so I, yeah, my own worst critic in that way. But yeah. and maybe other yeah, some people go the other way. They're like, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. And that would be, I guess, more discipline to get through, because you would want to abandon it midpoint. Just go, this is dumb, and and not even think about it. But yeah. to actually tell, I guess, remind yourself that Eric, you always think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is just part of the phase. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you what, what benefits creative writing have had in your life? Why should I pursue creative writing? Mm-hmm. As opposed to no writing or different uh, yeah, kinds a, of writing? Or? As opposed to no writing. I feel like I write a fair amount of not creative right. stuff. Right. Yep. Like, or nonfiction. I'll, nonfiction. Yeah. I'll write yep. a blog thing yeah. or I'll do yep. just like kind of journaling things. Mm-hmm. Um, but why should I start to write creatively? creatively? Yeah. Um, what, what benefits have you seen from it in your life? I would think, okay, if we're just talking about writing, it actually improves your other kind of writing. Sure. Um, because you just get more comfortable with um, grappling with images or ideas that maybe you've never thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it quiets the, the critic for sure. Um, and then every now and then you'll play with something in a, creative writing piece and it can start bleeding at that skill. It's like a muscle, right? So yeah. it gets stronger yeah. and then it, you can use it in other sorts of situations. So there's writing aspect. I do it because I have to, and I think it's creativity is a unique human impulse. It actually fascinates me. Yeah. Um, something that I want to pursue study in because, you know, human beings are just highly evolved mammals. I guess if you want to look at it that way, it's not untrue, but at the same time, we have imaginations that will make us do stuff for no reason and mm-hmm. no value in it. And this is something that um, Elizabeth Gilbert says, and that's actually really cool Yeah, <laughs> that we can just do arbitrary stuff just because we can. Um, and that it helps us not to take ourselves so seriously, but also it's fun. It's joy. It's um, yeah. Just to, like why, why create a nice meal when you can just, eat rice all the time. It's going to get, you know, like why, what's the purpose? If it's, if it's just about eating for calories, why do we play with food and try new things and so Mm -hmm. on? And it's a part of the experience. It's a part of why not is that sort of reason. Um, so, and I think that that's something that we don't do enough. It's a type of play, but it's also a type of personal growth. So I've learned a lot about myself as well, just by, doing a lot of writing and thinking about things that maybe I've never thought of before. And you said before you love to learn, right? So it's mm-hmm. that stretching that I think I, what I love most about being creative and trying to write creatively. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to the yeah. most. Yeah. Cause in, in my head, I know it's not going to be a masterpiece. Maybe it is. It well, maybe be. I'm selling myself short. Maybe I'm, I'm, yeah. I need to quiet my critic. Wouldn't that be so cool? First try. <laughs> like, I'm, but I, I'm approaching this pretty realistically. It's not going to be a masterpiece, but it is going to stretch me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something that I look back on. And even though it's, it will have flaws and it will have those warts, it will be something where I'm like, yeah, but I'm so much better yeah. because of that. Yeah. And you know? I did that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it might be fun. Like if, if you keep playing with it and then, like you said, go back in three years and go, Oh, that's so cute, Eric. That was so cute. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or like I was talking with my um, colleagues today about that, looking back at old essays we wrote in university going, Oh my gosh, I was smart. Like forget (laughs) the good stuff you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. the progression is probably one of my favorite parts too, is because like I said, I'm a journaler. So I'll go back and look back at the things I wrote even a year ago and go, wow, like I've grown a lot since then. And really that's what I was grappling with. And yeah. So see, I've, I've, I've been in the music world for a, a long time. I've, I've done a lot with music, but I've never written my own music. Oh, like and lyrics or just actual, lyrics yeah. or really music. I mean, yeah, I've dabbled, I've tried, but I've never done it for fear of failure. Mm. So I'm feeling like this is kind of the first step in that yeah. process. Yeah. And I mean, we could, we could sit and chat about how music affects poetry oh, yeah. forever, yeah. but so too. <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm coming at it from the music side where, mm-hmm. I mean, music is this whole other language that yep. just enhances and, and, uh, makes poetry so much more meaningful for me. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way that I've touched poetry in my life the most. And I, one of the things I love about music and I guess any art again, and I, I, for some reason, music seems to be the most obvious example of this. So we don't need it, mm-hmm. but yet it's universal, universal across this entire planet that there, every culture, every person, there's a connection to me. Like there's, it's obviously something about it. We don't yeah. need it, but we yeah. need it. <laughs> we need, we yeah. need it. We need it, but we don't. Yeah. And that's what's so yeah. cool about any art, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's so universal and so beautiful. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I could go on and on no, and on and on, and on yeah, about yeah. music forever, but <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this adventure. Yes. Um, I'm excited for you. Yeah. And so August 7th, I'm going to post a poem Sweet. on my website. Okay. You want to write. Now, I'm just floating this out there. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Because I know you're very busy with all your classes. And if you don't do it, that's fine. But if you would like to write a poem as well and send it to me, I'll I'll post it up there. Sounds good. Do you want to have rules, like, or not rules, but like we both have to wrestle with an idea or something? Like the same idea? Yeah. Not that hmm. it's a competition, but no, just no, no, the no, idea no. Of I, different perspectives. Yeah, and, I get that. And the funny thing about, like a lot of people think creativity is just open anything, but actually if you put some parameters up, it helps Yeah. because then you're like, okay, so this is what I have to do. Then I can start. Yeah. Because if, if we just go write a poem, it's like, I would, I would love that. Okay. I would love that. We just need to figure out the idea. Well, what, why not music? Music. Yeah. Let's do it. Nice. That's great. That's our theme. I love yeah. it. This okay. is this is so much fun. Okay, right on. I'm, I'm excited. I'm smiling from ear to ear right now <laughs> yeah. because it's I'm just so excited oh, right for this experience. Yeah. I this is why I started the podcast. Yep. None of the other stuff in the podcasting world like how many listens it gets yeah. none of that matters. Yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day I started it to have this experience right now. Yeah. So this is this is like the coolest episode oh, I've ever had. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for being on the Thank show so this, this week. What do you have to plug? Let's plug your podcast. How can oh, people find your podcast? Um, so you can, we're on Twitter um, and the handle is at HS Book Club Pod. So that's how I send out the links and stuff to the show. But you can also find us on iTunes. So <laughs> if you go to iTunes podcast, you just search the High School Book Club and it should pop up. So. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be tweeting about it mm-hmm. and I'll put in the show notes of this episode awesome. and we'll get you out there because it's so good. Yeah. It's so Thank great. You. Very much. I, it's a labor of love. It's just a nerd project that's mm-hmm. just for fun. Which yeah. is, it's the best that's kind. That's the best kind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Exactly. Great. Well, Great. thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. And there you have it. Another episode of the Know Nothing Podcast. As I mentioned in this episode, I will be posting Terry and mine's poems on my website at knownothingpodcast.com. If you'd like to join in on the fun, be sure to submit your poems to me at eric at knownothingpodcast.com. The poems will be published to the website on August 8th, and submissions are due on the 7th. As always, be sure to connect with us on Twitter, and definitely go check out Terry Hartman's podcast, The High School Book Club. I know you'll love it as much as I do. And be sure to tune in next time to the Know Nothing Podcast.